Amen. It'll work tonight. It'll work anytime. God's Word just good. It'll work all the time. Praise God. So, if you've got a Bible tonight, I'm going to open to two places, beginning first of all with the book of Ephesians, the third chapter, and then we're going to go to the book of Acts, the sixth chapter. So, go with me to the book of Ephesians, if you would, chapter 3, and I'm going to read uh, a few verses there in Ephesians chapter 3. I told you um, this morning, I mentioned that, man, I'm, I've, I've just been uh, been feeling a pull toward Ephesians, maybe doing some preaching from Ephesians, um, and, and, you know, just the riches and the great stuff that's in Ephesians that about our inheritance and what God has done for us in Christ. But uh, I encourage you, if, if you haven't read the book of Ephesians lately, you need to go back through and read and study it. It's, it's an awesome book. But I'm going to pull a few verses from Ephesians tonight just and use a phrase here, and then we'll go to, uh, we'll go to Acts chapter 6. But Ephesians chapter number 3, chapter number 3, and verse number 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by, uh, through faith. This is a prayer, by the way, that Paul is praying for these believers. And he prays that Christ uh, may... Well, let me just read from 14. Is that all right? Okay, let's start at the top. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. And here, here, focus in on this. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 6. And I'm going to focus in on a, on a gentleman here in Acts, chapter 6. Who was, who was a man who was, who was a believer, a Christian, who was full. He was full of God. How many of y'all tonight would, would say, yeah, pastor, I want to be full of God. I would love to be, I want, to, I want my life to be full of God. Well, I think that should be the desire of every believer is to be full of God. And so notice in Acts chapter 6, if you're there, this is the chapter where the first, first deacons were chosen and, uh, and appointed. And it says this, now in those days, verse 1, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint. Isn't that always the situation? Huh? When, when, when the church is growing and God is blessing and the, the numbers are increasing, somebody ha has, has, has a complaint. But there, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude to the disciples and said, 
it is not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. That was the apostles and the leaders here of the church said, we don't have time to deliver groceries to the widows. We're giving ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So, the very first deacons that were that were chosen and appointed were to carry out the work of ministry in the church so that the apostles would have time to focus on the spiritual matters and give themselves to prayer and, and the Word of God continually. Amen. And uh, verse 5, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, uh, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom, the, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now, I don't know if you noticed as I was reading this, these eight verses of Scripture, but I've got circled in my Bible there three different times, three different uh, times he used, the, the Holy Spirit used the word full, full, F-U-L-L, full uh, concerning this man by the name of Stephen. So I would say that Stephen was a man, a, a believer, a, a child of God that was full of God. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. Father, uh, bless the Word of God tonight. Bless the preaching of the Word. Anoint me. Help me. Speak through me. Give me the words that you would have me to say in Jesus' name. Open the hearts of these people to receive your Word, and we'll give you praise for it. And everybody said amen and amen. I love this man, Stephen. Not a whole lot in the Bible about Stephen. His career was something that was kind of like, you know, Stephen was kind of like a meteor in the sky. You ever, you ever been out at night looking at stars and see a shooting star or a meteor? I mean, it's just boom. It's there and then it's gone. And that's kind of the way Stephen's ministry was recorded here in the book of Acts. Um, it was a brief ministry that he had, but it was a very, very bright and brilliant ministry that he had. The, the name of this man, Stephen, his very name is the Greek word Stephanos, and it means a victor's crown, a victor's crown. And we certainly know as we read this story of Stephen that he was a victor, that he was an overcomer, and that he wore that crown of victory. But there are several characteristics that I want to identify in the life of Stephen, and I believe that it, was, that it was true, what was true in the life of Stephen ought to be true in every believer and every child of God. And when we look at his life and we, we, we look at the 
text here, as I said, the main word seems to be that was used by the Holy Spirit when it talked to Stephen and, and him being chosen as a deacon. The main word that was used to describe him was that word full. Verse 5 says that they chose Stephen a man full. He was a man of God who was filled up with God. He was overflowing. I believe that he was just he was just abounding and overflowing with the graces and with the virtues and with the power of God. Stephen had so much of God and was so full of God and had so much of God in his life that there was just no room for anything else in his life. And I tell you when you get full of God and get full, filled with the fullness of God, there just won't be any room for anything else in your life except God. That's, that's what I desire. I want my life just to be, Brother Bob, just to be filled up, just to be full, just to be overflowing with God and the virtues of God and the fruit of the Spirit and the graces of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe, I really believe this. I don't believe that we can remain stagnant, amen, I don't believe that we can that we can remain in a in a kind of a status quo, you know, a state as a believer as as a Christian. I believe that that everybody is going to be full of something. <laughs> So I think we could ask ourselves the question tonight, you know, not out loud, but uh, hey, what am I full of? What are you full of? Amen. We're going to be full of something. I mean, you know, there are people that are, a lot, a lot of people are full of themselves. Isn't that right? They're just full of themselves. They, they, they think um, only of themselves. Uh, there's a lot of people, I haven't heard this phrase in a while, but uh, there's a lot of people, I've heard it said about people before, well, they're just full of hot air. Amen. Anybody ever know anybody's full of hot air? Uh, some people are full of baloney. You ever heard that one? Well, he's just full of baloney. My mom used to say to me a lot of times when I was a kid, she'd, she'd say, Ricky, you know, you're full of malarkey. And I never did know what malarkey was. I looked it up one time, and it's nonsense and foolishness. And so I didn't know I was, I was full of that. <laughs> I guess when I was younger, I was. But the point is that the Bible tells us that we're going, the Bible even speaks speaks of us being full of different things. When you read the book of Romans and other places in the Bible, the Word of God speaks of us, uh, of people who are full of envy, who are full of strife, who are full of wrath and iniquity. And James even says that uh, concerning the tongue in James chapter 3, James said that the tongue, our tongue, the most unruly member in our body, can be full and is full of deadly poison. Amen. Your mouth can be full of praise. Your life can be full of praise. So there's a, there's a lot of things that we can be filled up with. I believe there is a storage capacity in the heart and in the spirit of the believer tonight to be full. And Well, in everybody as far as that can, uh, goes, that, that we, will, we will be filled with something. And Jesus seems to indicate that too. Because Jesus says that out of the good treasure of a 
the man's heart, he brings forth good things. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So there are a lot of different things that we can be full of. But listen, I don't want, I don't want to be full of hatred. I don't want to be full of envy. I don't want to be full of mischief. Come on, somebody. I don't want to be full of, of jealousy. I don't want to be full of, of sin. But I want to be, if I'm going to be full of anything, I want to be full of God. I want to be full with a foot filled with the fullness of God. I want to be flow overflowing with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the Spirit of God in my life. And that should be the desire of every single one of us here in this service tonight. Now, when we look at the life of Stephen here, and uh, it tells us there's four things I want to bring out tonight that Stephen was full of, okay? Four things, and it wasn't, it wasn't malarkey, let me tell you. Amen? Wasn't baloney. <laughs> he wasn't full of hot air. He was full. The first thing, listen, the first thing that, that, that it says that Stephen was full of, notice in verse number five, verse number five, it says that Stephen was a man full of faith. Also in verse number 8, it says the very same thing. And Stephen, full of faith. Oh, he was full of faith. He didn't have, this man didn't have just a small amount of faith. He didn't have just a meager, weak, timid faith. But the Bible said that he was full of faith. He was not a Christian that had a little sickly handful of faith or just barely enough faith. But it says of Stephen that he was full of faith. How many would like to be able to say that, that to know that you're full of faith? Come on. I believe that that's possible. If it was possible for this man in the Bible to be full of faith, I believe that there's the capacity. Listen, we're all in different levels and measures of faith here tonight, but there is the capacity for your faith to grow for my faith to grow and for us to be full of faith. I want to be full. I want to be like this guy. I want to be filled with the fullness of God. I want to be like old Stephen was and be full of faith. I believe Stephen was so full of faith that when doubt came knocking at the door, Stephen just shook his head and said, no vacancy, no room. Doubt, you can't come in here. No room for fear. There's no room for worry. Worry, you just well go on down the road. There's no room for discouragement or despair. Why? Because faith fills my heart and life. Do you believe that tonight? That a child of God can be so full of the faith of God and faith in the promises of God that there's no room in him for worry and there's no room for doubt and there's no room for fear and there's no room for dread. Why? Because faith in God and the promises of God fills our heart and life and dispels all that other stuff and if you're full of faith praise God you won't be filled with any of this other stuff tonight amen now there are how many you know there are different measures of faith there's different levels of faith everybody doesn't have the same level or the same measure of faith now someone would say brother rick what do you how do you know that's so well, the Bible speaks of different measures of faith. The Bible says that there is, you know, remember what Jesus said about the disciples. He said to the disciples, O ye of 
Little faith. They had faith, but it's little. Isn't that right? There's, so there's little faith. Uh, James talked about faith without works is dead. So there's dead faith. I don't want dead faith. I want a living faith. Amen? Um, the Bible speaks of weak faith. And it talks about strong faith. And Jesus said to, uh, concerning two people in the Word of God, uh, the Syrophoenician woman and the, um, and the, uh, the, the soldier at Capernaum, the centurion, uh, Jesus said of those two people that great is your faith. So he told the disciples they had little faith, told the, these other two people they had great faith. So there is a capacity for different measures and levels of faith in our life. But every one of us, every one of you, every believer receives the measure of faith, a measure of faith in our life when you get born again. It always bothers me when I hear, when I hear born-again believers say, uh, make this statement. And they say, you know, pastor, I just don't have any faith. That's not true. If you're saved, if you're a child of God, you have faith. He gives us, Romans 12 and 3, that God has dealt unto every man the measure of faith. So don't ever say, make that statement that you don't have faith. Your faith may be weak. Your faith may be small. Your faith may be wavering. But God has given you faith. He's placed faith in your heart as a believer. So you know what you need to do with that faith? You need to do something with that faith. You, you, if you want it to be full, what are you going to do with it? You've got to feed it. You've got to exercise it. You've got to develop it. Anything that just sets our lives dormant is going to get weak and eventually get to the place where it can't work or operate at all. It has to be, it has to be um, uh, our life, our, our muscles, our, our, the members of our body have to be exercised or we will lose the capacity to use them. The same is with faith. You have got to feed your faith if you want to be full of faith. The more you feed your faith, faith, the more your faith will develop and the more you feed your faith, the more you will starve your doubts to death. That's the problem with so many of us and the reason we're not full of faith is because we spend too much time feeding our doubts and starving our faith. Turn that thing around, ladies and gentlemen, and begin to feed that faith and as you feed that faith hallelujah and you begin to fill up with faith and get strong in faith the doubts will go the fear will go the confusion will go and praise God you'll walk in the victory that God intended you to walk in because everything you get from God comes through faith in him and in his word Faith is vitally important to the believer, to the child of God. Amen? So we must feed it. We must feed it if we want to be full of faith. So to be full of faith. What does the Bible say? Where does faith? You all know this elementary. Huh? Faith comes where? From what? By hearing. Hearing what? Hearing, hearing, hearing the, the evening news. No! 
No, hallelujah. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The Word of God. So if you're going to be full of faith, well, it just seems natural to me that if you're going to be full of faith, you got to be full of His Word. you got to be full of the Word. Praise God. Feed upon it day and night. Meditate in His Word day and night. For then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. Then your faith will will overflow and you'll be a man or a woman that has the faith of God filling their heart in life. Amen? Praise God. Stephen's faith that he had was a, was a stabilizing factor in his life. And I believe that, that that faith is a stabilizer for the believer. We've got to have the correct object of faith, of course. We have to place our faith in the right person and in the right thing, which is the Lord Jesus Christ and the finished work of Christ on the cross. Because, you know, see, somebody said, well, you know, why is it so important? Why do you talk about the finished work of Christ so much? Why do you talk about what Jesus did on the cross so much? That is because everything that you and I will ever receive from God, we receive from Him by means of what He did at Calvary. Because everything that we have tonight from our salvation, our sanctification, our healing, our provision, everything, Jesus bought it and paid for it with His blood, His death, His resurrection, His finished work on the cross. It's a done deal, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus did it all at Calvary. So your faith, my faith, for whatever we need today has got to be anchored in what Jesus did and his finished work. We must know what Christ accomplished for us at the cross. We must know that. How are we going to know what he accomplished? We're going to know it by Getting in this book, amen. Reading those epistles. I mentioned that this morning. The letters that were written in the New Testament to the churches. You know, to those epistles of Paul. Those general epistles. Epistles of Peter and John. Amen. And Jude. And those men of God. Those apostles of God. That God gave those messages and letters to the New Testament church. If you want to know what's yours in Christ. You've got to get into that. And you've got to devour that and read that and meditate and study on that. It's called the renewing of your mind. Amen. Be not conformed to this world, the Bible says, but be transformed. How are you going to get transformed? Your faith's going to transform you, but how? By the renewing of your mind that you may know. Know what? Know what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Know what belongs to you. Know what given to you. Know what Jesus has purchased for you at Calvary. You've got to know what he did, what he accomplished, and you must know the benefits that you have and what belongs to you. Amen. Praise God. Faith in God and his promises or a stabilizing force that will keep you on course in the midst of the storms of life. As you're traveling on this journey of life, we not only are saved by faith, but we walk by faith, we live by faith, 
Amen. Everything that we do concerning our, our life is built upon faith in God, faith in the finished work of Christ, and in the promises that He's given us. That is our stabilizing force tonight. The Bible says in 1 John 5 and 4 that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And he said, and this is the victory. What? What is the victory? This is the victory that overcomes the world. What? Even our faith. So the, it's important to be, if you're going to be full of something, huh? Don't be full of chocolate chip ice cream. Be full of faith. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Get full of faith or butter pecan or whatever. Amen. But be full of faith and faith in the Word of God. I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. That's just number one. But uh, the second thing we notice in verse 3, you're still there in Acts chapter 6. In verse number 3, he said, uh, it says this, Brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good report, Full of the Holy Spirit, but notice this, and wisdom, full of wisdom. I won't, I won't spend a lot of time on this because this is what we're talking about on Wednesday nights, right? We're talking about, from the book of Proverbs, the wisdom of God. But Stephen was not only a man that was full of faith, but Stephen was a believer that was full of wisdom. And I believe that if there's something, if there's something desperately that the church needs, that every believer needs tonight, is to be full of the wisdom of God. What is wisdom? What does, what does it mean? What is the Bible talking about when it says wisdom? Well, first of all, it's not wisdom that you can attain from this, this world. It's not anything you can learn from a textbook or in a university or in a, in, a, in a school classroom. You can't get wisdom there. You can get knowledge there, but you can't get wisdom. Someone said that wisdom is the competence to grasp the meaning of a situation. And to understand what to do and how to do it in the right way in the right time. Has anyone ever been in a place in your life when you, when you didn't know what to do? You didn't know how to handle a situation? You know, I believe that's why James in dealing with, with trials. In James chapter 1, he's talking about the, trial, uh, the trials and tests that believers go through and the temptations that we face. And then he says in that context, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not but ask for wisdom I believe that that's important that we have that competence to grasp what to do and how to handle situations in life wisdom also someone else said that wisdom speaking of godly wisdom that comes from the spirit of God and from the word of God is skillful living it's the ability to make wise choices and to live successfully it's the skill of living a godly life as God intended man to live. Oh, God, fill me up with the wisdom of God. I need more of your wisdom. Come on Wednesday nights. I encourage you to do that because we're in the wisdom book and we're studying the wisdom of God because I want Abundant Life Family Church to be full of wisdom. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. Stephen had a spirit-given, God-given, sanctified, down-to-earth wisdom, common sense. It's somebody said wisdom was sanctified common sense. I like that. And, and it enabled Stephen 
to serve as a deacon and to serve the tables well and to care for the widows that he was that was placed under his care in a practical way. He had godly wisdom. But his wisdom was also very profound. Because in verse number 10 it says that when Stephen got up to preach and he began to open his mouth and the wisdom of God began to come out of his mouth that they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. See, Stephen, listen, Stephen was just a layman in the congregation. Amen? He was chosen as a deacon. Stephen had no formal training. He didn't have any theological background, whatever. Yet, there he is standing up in the synagogue in his day, and they couldn't resist the wisdom by which he spoke. Stephen didn't get his wisdom. It didn't, listen, it didn't come from a college or from a seminary. His wisdom was supernatural wisdom from God. That, ladies and gentlemen, that's the kind of wisdom that we have to have today. That comes from God and from His Word from that book. Amen. And that wisdom is available to all of us. We studied these verses in Proverbs chapter 4 a few weeks back. In chapter 4, the writer there, Solomon, said, Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. And then he said this, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all thy getting, get understanding. See, you and I need the wisdom of God in the situations of life. I mean, we got parents here. If you're a parent tonight, if you're raising children, if you're raising a family, you need the wisdom of God in, the, in, in every situation that you deal with in that family. You need wisdom on your job. You need wisdom to be able to know how to operate and run. If you're a business owner, to, to, to rightfully operate that business, you need God's wisdom. Hallelujah. As a pastor of a church, I can't make it. There's not a day that goes by in my prayer time, my life. Every morning that I, when I pray, I say, God, I have got to have your wisdom today. You know what I'm going to face. You know the situations that I'm going to deal with. You know people that I'm going to come in contact with and I can't make the right decisions without the wisdom of God. Lord I need your wisdom and I believe God wants us to depend upon him for that wisdom. You can't effectively be a pastor or, or a deacon or a lay member or anything without having the wisdom of God in your life. Praise God. So he's full of faith and he was full of wisdom but I love this third one in verse number 8. It says, in Stephen, full of faith and power. Power. He was full of power. Boy, I tell you what. We need, we need some folks today, some believers full of power. It said that he was full of faith and power and did great wonders and miracles among the people. He was just an ordinary guy, an ordinary man. Born again believer, but yet he was clothed with the power of God. He was not an apostle. Now I want you to get this. He was not an apostle. He was not a prophet. He was not an evangelist. He, he, he was not in the fivefold ministry that it's recorded of here. He was a deacon. But he was a deacon with 
anointing. With the anointing of God's power upon his life. Not only did he just have some power with God, but it said that he was full of power. My Lord, help us Jesus. He was full of power. Now that's not a phrase that is used today to describe very many preachers or deacons or churches or Christians as far as that goes. Amen. It's not a term that's used, well, he's full of power. I mean, we, you know, we can be full of learning. We can be full of eloquence. We can be full of a lot of things and, 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 and other desirable qualities. But, you know, we can have money. We can have culture, social standing. But listen, listen, to be full of power is, is not something that describes very many within the church world today. And I, I believe that that's the one thing that we do need today. I believe these all dovetail together faith and power and wisdom. But my Lord, saints, we need the power of God. We can't afford to be a church that is powerless. We can't afford to be a church that is weak and anemic and, and not able to minister and meet the needs of, 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 of lost humanity today and of the people that come into our into our into the doors of our sanctuary. We've got to be believers in a church that is full of the power of God. That was what was said of Stephen. That is what was said of the early church. I think you know what we see today within the majority of churches today is what Paul told Timothy would take place in the last days. That they would do what? They would be, they would have a form the church, the believers the, that in, in those last days would have a form of godliness. They would have a name that, that Jesus talked about that the church one of the churches there and said that they had a name, Sardis, I believe. You have a name that you live or alive, but you were dead. And that's what we're seeing today within the body of Christ, within the church world today. Powerless churches and powerless pastors and powerless evangelists. My God, give us people, give us some preachers today that are full of the power. Come on, somebody. Give us churches that have the power and the anointing. It's the anointing of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost that destroys the yoke and removes the burden. I'm not a healer. You're not a healer. Nobody else is. But there is an anointing that comes from God and the power of God that will, as we sang tonight, break chains, remove burdens, destroy yokes. And that is the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of Almighty God. And He's still the same today as He ever was. We need a fullness, the fullness of God and the fullness of the power of God in our lives today. My prayer is, God, do it again. Do it again, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We're looking for the rapture. I believe that Jesus is coming at any moment. He can come before the, before I get done. Boy, this would be a good spot right now just to go in the rapture while you, you're preaching the gospel and up here and just whoop, praise God. Boy, if you wasn't ready and you're sitting here and everybody disappeared and you're still sitting here, you'd feel funny, wouldn't you? The results of that power was it said that he was full of power and did great wonders and miracles among the people. But we need that today, saints. 
May it be said of Abundant Life Family Church, they're a powerful church. May it be said of every believer here, they're a powerful group of people. They're full of faith, and they're full of power, and they're full of wisdom. Number four, number four, number four, here's the river that all of this flows from right here. Why was, why, why was Peter so full of faith, full of wisdom, full of power? And I believe we get the key right here. Talking about being filled with all the fullness of God, I believe we get the key right here in verse 3 and verse 5. Verse 3 and verse 5 in, in, in Acts chapter 6. They said when they were picking these deacons, when they were choosing these deacons, what? I'm tempted to go a direction here, but I'm not. But when they were choosing these deacons, they said, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So number four, Stephen was full of of the Holy Spirit. That's the key to his fullness. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And that was the river from which all these graces were flowing from his life. Jesus said it in, in John chapter 7. He said, come unto me, everyone that comes to me, that is thirsty and comes to me, let him come to me and drink. And out of his belly, out of his innermost being shall what? Flow rivers of living water. And this he spake of the Spirit that they which believed on Jesus would receive. And that's in John 7, 37 through 39. You can, you can read that when you get home. But that is the river. That was the river from which the other graces were flowing. And listen to me, saints. You know, you know this. But I want to reiterate it again tonight. Every born-again believer, every believer needs to be full, full of the Holy Spirit. Every believer needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I appreciate Denise is, is teaching on the Holy Spirit in the, in the adult Sunday school. And, and it's, it's already, listen, God's already confirming His Word. And um, there's been several field two this morning received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But every believer needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, before those, when Jesus rose from the dead, He gave that great commission. And before he told them to do anything, he told them first, go to Jerusalem and tarry there and wait for the promise of the Father. Don't go preach. Don't go build a church yet. Don't, don't, don't go out on visitation yet. Don't do anything. But go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. For he said, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And Praise God 10 days later after waiting upon God for 10 days in a prayer meeting in that upper room in Jerusalem. Praise God on the day of Pentecost the Spirit of God fell in that upper room and those 120 all received the Holy Spirit baptism. Praise God as Jesus said they would with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Oh listen to me saints. Listen to me. We need the fullness of 
the Spirit. To be full. What does it mean, Brother Rick? To be full of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what it means. It means when you're full of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit is in total control of your life. You are filled and you are baptized. You have the Spirit within and you have the Spirit upon and you have the Spirit overflowing in your life. You are not only filled and full but you've been immersed and baptized into the Spirit of God and received that power from on high from the Holy Spirit. It means to be filled with the Spirit. It means that your life is thoroughly permeated with the presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit. And Paul told them in that book of Ephesians in that epistle of, uh, to, the, to the Ephesian church, he said do not be drunk with wine where is in excess but be filled with the Spirit. Not halfway, not three quarters of the way, but filled full and overflowing just like Stephen was my Lord church. We've got to get that thirst and that hunger and that desire today that we will be people of the Spirit, so full of the Holy Spirit and power that we literally radiate the presence of God. How many believe you can be so full of God, so full of the Holy Spirit that you glow and radiate the very presence of God in your life? I believe you can be like old Moses, so full of God that you radiate His presence. Amen. Oh, God, give us spirit-filled saints, spirit-filled churches, full of the power of God, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, that we'll be a church that will make an impact on this community. Praise God. Amen. See, Stephen's life did that. He had an effect on other people, didn't he? He was so full of God that his life affected others. He ministered to the sick, to the hurting, to the needy. It said wonders, signs, and miracles were done by his hand because he was a man that was full of God. But we need, we need as well to be used of God to reach our community. Stephen preached a mighty sermon and you can read it in the seventh, sixth and seventh chapter there of Acts. But he, uh, he stood up and preached a, a powerful sermon. I love reading that. It's the, it's a little, the, the seventh chapter is a little lengthy. But take the time to read it. Because Stephen preached a powerful, powerful sermon that seemed not to do any good. It appeared that the sermon that he preached was ineffective. Here's a man full of power, full of the Holy Spirit. He's preaching. And you know what they did to him? They stopped, they stopped up their ears. They got mad. They gnashed. They gnashed. See, it's raining now, so just stay seated. We'll preach some more. They, they gnashed on him. With their teeth, stopped up their ears, didn't want to hear what he had to say. I, I've never actually saw anybody when I was preaching put their fingers in their ears, but I think spiritually, I think spiritually that has happened and does happen. But it seemed like 
that nothing was done with that, with that sermon. They actually got stones. And what they do, he was the first Christian martyr. This man that was full of God was the first martyr to die, the first Christian martyr in the New Testament church to die for his testimony of Jesus Christ. And they took up stones, they stoned him, and he died. And it seemed like that he accomplished nothing in what he did, nothing in what he said, except got himself killed. And I heard a preacher say which one time, which I totally disagreed with, he said, Peter didn't, or Stephen didn't have to die, said he didn't have to preach that hard. If he would have just went a little easier and not said some of the things he said, he wouldn't have had to have been stoned. <laughs> I, I think sometimes people say things and they don't realize how really how ignorant it is. Because he's full of faith, full of power, full of the Holy Ghost. I think he's preaching what the Holy Ghost is giving him. Wouldn't you think so? That's the problem with the church world today is preachers are afraid of offending somebody. Amen? Well, Stephen wasn't. He was so full of God that he didn't care who got offended. He told them the truth. He actually ended that sermon by looking at them. And I don't preach near as hard as Stephen. But he said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. So do you. And they picked up stones and they stoned him to death. And so he didn't accomplish anything. Nothing was done. He's dead now. They carried him off and they buried him. A full man, full of God, and preached and nothing happened. But you know what? That's where we're wrong. Something did. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. See, there was a young man that was standing there and that was observing Stephen that uh, as he was being stoned, that was never, never able a young man that was that was never able to get that scene of that martyrdom out of his mind and was never able to get the message he heard out of his heart how many knows who that young man was that was standing there the bible says in acts 658 that they that they are 758 that they cast stephen out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, named Saul. Hallelujah. They're ki they've killed Stephen. The full man has died. But now listen, later on, here was a man that heard this message and heard him preach and saw what happened. And later, this very man by the name of Saul of Tarshish had an encounter with Jesus Christ that changed his life and had a tremendous effect upon the church. Praise God. I believe. That, that, that Saul couldn't ever get that message out of his mind that he heard Stephen preach. It haunted him. It went with him. It convicted him. And then one day on that road to Damascus when he was knocked off of that horse and he heard the words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He immediately said, who are you, Lord? Hallelujah. He said, I I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And I, I, I believe that what Stephen did, full of the power of God, had an impact and an effect on this man to turn his life around and make him a great apostle to the church. You know what? I don't have a Bible for this, but, 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 but I believe, I just think in my heart, I just think in my heart, go ahead and sit down, Joe. 
I just think in my heart that Paul was probably right there. Paul may have been, may have greeted, uh, been greeted by Stephen, and maybe the first one that he greeted when he walked in the gates of glory was a man by the name of Stephen who was full of God. I can just see Paul wrapping his arms around old Stephen and say, you know what? I, I, I thank God for what you did and what you said. We're going to meet some folks in heaven, ladies and gentlemen. One of these days that we may not have thought we've helped, we may not have thought that we've done any good, but every seed that you've sown, glory to God, is going to bear some fruit somewhere down the line. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm determined that I'm going to be that person that is full of God, full of faith, full of power, full of wisdom, and full of the Holy Ghost. Woo! We got a long ways to go, but we need to be pressing in to be the kind of Christian and believer that Stephen was. Amen? Hallelujah. Worship team, make your way back. Would you stand tonight with me? Praise God. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. I hope I've helped you tonight in some way. My purpose and intent tonight was to stir you up a little bit. I stirred myself up. I didn't help anybody else. It helped me. But to stir you up a little bit, to have that desire, and to understand and know that the fullness of God is available to the believer. Paul said so. Stephen was a man full and Paul said that, and that was his prayer. Listen, what I read to you in Ephesians 3 was a prayer that Paul prayed for that church and for those believers. It's a prayer that you are to take and pray for yourself and pray for others. But he prayed for them that they would be strengthened with might power by the Spirit of God in their inner man, and that they would be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh, Lord, fill us tonight with your fullness. Our worship